Celta presents Hear the world differently. Good morning, everybody. We're, we're going to make a start, if you don't mind. You're very welcome to this morning's webinar, Fake versus Fact, Tools for Tackling Misinformation. My name is Bobby McCormick. I'm one of the two co-founders of Development Perspectives and the current CEO. We're a member of a consortium called SAILTA. So SAILTA is a new consortium consisting of ourselves, Development Perspectives as the lead partner, AINTIS, Irish Rural Link, Concern Worldwide, and the Department of Adult and Community Education in Minuti University. So this webinar is part of the activities for 2024 SAILTA. SAILTA is a new strategic partnership with Irish Aid to try to embed development education in the adult and community education sector. And the word SAILTA, in case anyone's interested, comes from the Irish for worldly wise. So quite apt, I think, given, given, I suppose, the stage of our planet and the people who live on it at this stage. Worldly wise, we need more of that. You can see, of course, on our website, developmentperspectives.ie, lots more information about SAILTA and lots more activities. And I would suggest to any of you that want to get involved in other parts of our work to sign up for our newsletter. And that's easily done through the website. We're delighted to have Kadamina Roddy Falanga join us from Prague today. Kadmina has worked with us in development perspectives on a number of different projects uh, going back a number of years. And, and prior to that, I would have trained with Kadmina as a trainer and facilitator. And Kadmina is someone that, that always is not just effective, but I think touches people in a particular way that people find engaging uh, and often challenging. And I'm looking forward to, to being challenged, hopefully, today. It's, it's a difficult topic, but Kadmina is an experienced educator, an experienced trainer, an experienced facilitator. And I think it's important to have that experience when talking about misinformation because he can talk about it from a practice perspective. Um, so without further ado, let me welcome Carmina. Thank you on behalf of Sales and Development Perspectives. Take it away. Thank you very much, Bobby. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for choosing to spend some time with us. Uh, my name, as Bobby said, is Carmina Rodi. It's an Italian name. I was born in southern Italy, and I live in Prague, uh, in the center of Czech Republic, with my family here, my wife, our baby, and one cat. And that's all I can manage. Uh, I've been involved in European education and youth work and training since 2000, of course, in a growing uh, manner. And my main focuses are activities through storytelling and games that can lead to personal development and learning. So stories is really my bread and butter. I am an author, I'm a blogger, I'm a writer, I'm a stand-up comedian, and I'm a trainer. And I'm a psychotherapist in training. Which means I have, I really get bored easily and I need to change things in life. But also, everything I do is connected to stories. And the incredible ways the stories shape us and define the reality in which we live. As such, I have accumulated 20 years of experience. And one particular topic of interest for me is how well, fake news are affecting and shaping our reality. However, what is fake, uh, it's probably subject for another uh, day. I want to start, as many presenters do, I want to start with a popular quote, which is very often used to introduce this topic, and it's by Mark Twain. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you read the newspaper, you're misinformed, Mark Twain said, uh, supposedly, because it is fake 
Uh, this is widely attributed to Mark Twain, but it's, he never said it, actually. The rumor started to spread online at some point in the um, early 2000s, and as, it, as it's been re revealed by the Mark Twain Studies.com. However, the sentence is meaningful there. Uh, every time I access a source of information, I have a degree of information, but I can never claim to have reached the absolute truth on a matter. And this is what we are talking about. Let's, get, let's come to nowadays. Now, uh, my frame for today, because of time, uh, I will not go into debunking these theories. First of all, because I don't think I have to. Uh, there are plenty options there. And in the end of my presentation, I will provide a few links that I consider reliable and I use on a daily basis. But of course, you feel free to make your own choices. But the second reason is I'm not an expert of all these disciplines. I work with stories, I work as a narratologist, and I work as a trainer. I am not an epidemiologist, I'm not a chemist, and I'm not a political scientist. And I think this is part of the problem, because the Internet nowadays calls us to form an opinion and share it on a number of incredibly wide subjects. So one day I have to talk about football and then uh, epidemics and then political science and then foreign policy. And this is causing fatigue. This is actually causing a, a, a kind of chronic fatigue. Uh, society is based on expertise, a uh, complex society. There are experts in each field. If I want to watch a good movie, I watch a movie made by professional directors and actors. If I want to watch football, I watch... Uh, Liverpool, Bobby sadly, not Manchester. Uh, if I want to listen to technical and scientific advice, I should listen to the experts of those fields. But anyway, coming back to today, there are a lot of theories circulating about Bill Gates, and it's interesting to see how they've been fabricated and propagated. According to some of them, Bill Gates created the virus in a lab, and also his funding the, the, the research for vaccine in order to reduce the world population. And this is one of the stories that's circulating a lot in different variations. Another example, Cristiano Ronaldo, who decided to open all his hotels into coronavirus treatment centers for free. Completely fake. Moving on, because it gets even crazier than that, you can buy an anti-5G device online for $350 that will protect you, except it won't, because it's just a regular USB stick. But there are people who take advantage. So this is like fake news on fake news, you understand? It's like inception. People taking advantage of how fake news work. How can fake news uh, be created? Now, there is a very interesting uh, history, and it goes back in time, as you can see. But essentially, these are four reasons. One is profit. Make money, essentially. that. So sometimes just follow the money and we will see uh, why a particular story is circulating and by whom. Another objective is simple disinformation, to spread chaos, uh, for example, in another country or uh, among a political uh, rival. Fake news can also happen by mistake, honest, simple mistake, a, a major newspaper prints an article and it's wrong. But then it starts to circulate. And also as pranks. There is a very rich history of stories that have been produced just for fun. 
the problem is once they leave, they, they start to have a life of its own and it gets out of control once it gets viral. So, uh, there are hundreds of stories created every day. One of them may hit a nerve, be retweeted maybe or spread by influencers, and that's how a fake news story is created. So there is no conspiracy theory behind conspiracy theories also. Sometimes it just happened. And yes, there are political organizations and maybe even governments that are playing an active role. But it's also sometimes just less than that. It just happens. Between 5 and 7% of all news is fake, which, according, I mean, depending on your opinion, can be a lot or not so much, but that's a number, and this is only Italy, and this is only between January and April 2020. Uh, sometimes it can be higher, sometimes it can be lower. Of course, it's heavily influenced, if we use social media, it will be heavily influenced by what my bubble is. If I follow a lot of people with a high tendency to spread the stories, I will, have a, I will see a lot more. Why do they spread? So now, when I talk about fake news, I also talk about the so-called conspiracy theories. I'm not a big fan of the term, because it already has an emotional attachment, and some people see it as a conspiracy theory uh, itself. I, want, I don't want to go into that, but sometimes I will be talking about fake news and conspiracy theories almost as overlapping terms. So this is uh, from what I have collected from a number of sources, and I think this is interesting for us today. Why do they spread? Mistrustful institutions plays a big role. We are maybe at the historical low in terms of how much people trust, trust institutions, political institu institutions, international institutions, uh, religious institutions, historical low. And you can see a clear match between how theories spread, conspiracy theories, that is matched by distrust uh, or mistrust towards the institutions. Another huge peak was in the 70s, uh, the Nixon era in America, and another huge peak was in the early 2000s uh, with 9-11 and then the wars on terror, so-called wars on terror. So there is a correspondence there. Another big issue that I really want to talk about uh, with you guys, because we are all professionals in education, is education plays a big role, and I'm sorry to say not a positive role. Science is considered unappealing, and that's because of the way science is taught in the majority of educational systems. Science is punitive. You get bad marks if you don't get math. And at the end of school, you will hate science and math as a consequence. And what we see now is a huge backlash. It's payback time. And, uh, and I get passionate when I talk about this because I'm a big fan. I'm a science lover and geek, and this is backfiring spectacularly. I see you see it in narratives like, which are also propagated by politicians. Uh, we had enough of experts, or do your own research, don't trust academia, and so on. There is a widespread feeling of mistrust towards science and academia in general. And of course, it has reasons. It comes from the fact people have been failed by science and educational institutions. Another factor is magic and paranormal beliefs. This 
always had a huge appeal. I mean, we, we after all, we, we've been into critical thinking only for about 200 years scientific method as such, but magic and paranormal has always been part of human life. And it still is there. Horoscopes are in every major newspaper, for example, and they're not even grounded in any um, realistic or scientific way, but they are there. So this has a space in our society. And then individualism and social media bubbles. This is also especially critical because you see a lot more fake news in the Western world rather than in the Eastern world, so to speak, generalizing uh, global West, global East. Societies that are very much based on me, 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 liberty first, I am special, I'm more important than society in general, they tend to have more presence of fake news and fake narratives and conspiracy theories. Also alimented by capitalism and by some of their mottos, like, for example, the customer is always right. This is a powerful hegemonic story. Dangerous because the customer is not always right. Very often customers are so wrong, but we are shaped. Our thinking is shaped by these ideas. And then, of course, social media bubbles. I will not spend more time because we, we know how this works. Let's start with a few tips. Things we can do to con uh, contrast fake news. Number one, I think, ignore this is very hard because we want to be right, especially if we believe our worldview is in danger, but everybody thinks that. There is no need to always repost, always comment, always attack, always criticize the content, even when we disagree with. Ignoring it is actually more um, effective because the social media are based on engagement. So even if I engage in a critical way or in a negative way, that still counts as a plus one. If I need to share, maybe because it's a fake story or it's dangerous to somebody, it's better to take a screenshot of the article, just copy the page, and then share that as a picture rather than the link. Because when I share a link, a lot of people will click on the link, and that will bring engagement and money to people who spread the stories I don't want to spread. So ignore is actually very good as a starting on the other hand, engage and share with what I want to spread. Plus one, always give a like when you see something that's worth uh, liking and support. Number three, support and fund organizations. I'm very happy to work for Development Perspectives today. I've been doing it for years and I'm very happy. Uh, and also it goes with media outlets. Journalism is expensive and it's hard, hard work. So if I like one platform, the best way to like it is to put my wallet where my heart is. Because if all news are supposed to be free, well, then it means money has to come in from somewhere. And fact-checking is especially hard work. I want professionals to be on the job. And then, as I just mentioned, always go beyond the headlines. Open the article and read and look for elements such as uh, what is the platform, who is the author of the piece, when was it written, sometimes stories are shared three years later and they come back to life, and, and what is the re reliability of the sources there. If a blog cites another blog that cites another blog equals to zero sources, a YouTube video is not a source. Anybody can do that. So this is fact-checking. It takes time. It takes critical thinking, but this is hard work.
I also want to mention one thing. We may be very frustrated because we see that society is going in a direction that is scary and it's not what we want to see necessarily. But this is a process that started probably 20 years ago. So we cannot expect to stop it in five days. This helps, I think, everybody in education and social work. Do not get frustrated if this is not ending tomorrow, despite all your best work and intentions. It took maybe 20 years to get to this situation. It may need maybe 10 years, maybe five years to go back. Do not get frustrated if we don't win this immediately. Brexit, and I know you're familiar, you live in Ireland, it's a great text, uh, case study of how fake news circulate. Sometimes completely fake news, like the famous 350 million pounds, completely fabricated figure. Sometimes semi-fake. These are some of the pictures that were used on Facebook to promote Brexit. Now, a dangerous aspect of Facebook, which really is a toxic platform, uh, is that I will never see what you see because the algorithm is designed around each person specific, sorry, specifically. So the adverts I receive are completely different from the adverts you receive, which means it's very hard to keep track from watchdog organizations or fact-checking organizations. It's very hard to keep track of everything that's circulating. I will never see what each of you guys receive in your daily feed. For example, this story was circulated Without even words, Britain's new border will be Syria and Iraq, implying a lot, implying that Turkey will join the EU, which isn't even happening because it's the, 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 the dialogue has stopped. So Britain's new border will be with Syria and Iraq. Are you happy about this? Click to save our NHS. You see how many powerful messages are in the use of color, red and blue, triggering emotional responses, and false framing. This is another favorite of mine. The EU blocks our ability to protect polar bears. Click here to protect them. It's not even a lie because the EU has one common environmental policy. So that's the story. One single member state cannot have an environmental policy that's against the EU. So technically, it's not a lie. But the European Union is protecting polar bears. So you see how a lie can be framed and then an emotional response can be triggered by polar bears. I will go quickly over the other lies about Brexit. And also, I want to mention the giraffe in the room. So this is about critical thinking, which has been mentioned by Bobby in the introduction. If I just said, Bobby is a giraffe, the most natural response would be, no, he's not. And then I would say, well, prove it. And this is how we start a discussion which leads nowhere, and it's against critical thinking, rule number one, which is the burden of proof should lay on those who lay charges. So we should stop the conversation at the beginning. When I say Bobby is a giraffe, prove that Bob is a giraffe, and of course it's impossible to prove. But very often, those who spread fake news and toxic stories are on the, on the offensive all the time, and we end up, or organizations end up being on the defensive all the time. So the burden of proof stays on you, rests on you, or on the attacked side. And this is a logical fallacy. Facts and beliefs don't mix. They are like water and oil. Human thinking 
relies heavily on myth, on stories, and on narratives, not so much on, not so much on facts. So when we face a very strong belief, to oppose facts simply won't do. And this is a mistake we do a lot. We engage with strangers online and we report web links and a ton of information and statistics and numbers. And the person has a belief or a rooted belief that will simply block it. So I think it's, it's worth remembering that you cannot oppose beliefs with facts. Some people were familiar with this concept. I want to mention it, the red pill idea. It's very, very common in the discourse around fake news and conspiracy theories. Made popular by the movie The Matrix for a different reason, as a paradigm for personal choice and freedom against oppression. Basically, there was an iconic scene in which Morpheus gives the protagonist a choice between a red pill and a blue pill. And if they chose a red pill, they would enter the special world of the Matrix and see the truth. So red pill becomes a synonym for come and I will show you the truth. Now, in a movie, it's great and exciting. When used outside of that context, it is dangerous because it assumes that the truth, objective truth, even exists. And people refer to this as I've been red-pilled or I received my red pill or that guy red-pilled me. And try for your own homework and your own consideration, try to do a, 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 an internet search on Donald Trump plus red pill. He's considered a champion of the red pill cause. It is also very, very dangerous because it divides the world in us versus them. We are initiated and we have the truth and everybody else is not. And these people are considered less than humans. When I read online sources and conversations, it's very easy to find catch words like sheeple, which is a mix between sheep and people. So people who just obediently follow the, the, the authority. NPC, which stands for non-playing characters. It's a term from video game culture. Or normies, which means normal people. Normal people. Why we are the special ones. We who got the red pill. And it's dangerous also because it opens the way to charismatic leaders. Those guys know the truth. I should follow them blindly. How do you address fake news believers if I believe all these? One very good tip I found is to acknowledge that in every story there is a kernel of truth. So do not dismiss a belief entirely, especially because there is a little bit of truth everywhere. Maybe inaction towards climate change motivates a lot of people to disbelieve climate change altogether. But if it's so bad, why governments are not acting? Greedy corporations, corrupt politics, they are real. And a lot of people react to those and then they buy into fake narratives. Also validate people's feelings, history and perception, which are important and real. And uh, try a value-based approach, not a fact-based approach. Don't offer a ton of information and, and uh, web sources because people will, will not even read them and they may not work. Don't be aggressive when attacking. Well, don't attack. Don't use heavy sarcasm. Nobody changes their mind when they are ridiculed. Uh, and I see it a lot. Yeah, you guys are just ignorant. You cannot understand. You, can, you, know, you cannot even read the facts. Nobody will ever change their mind this way. And sometimes don't even engage in long arguments with strangers online. It's a waste of time. Reply once, politely, express your own opinions, maybe one link to fortify your opinion, and then move on. Walk your dog, 
cook a meal, go outside, do not spend an entire afternoon. Nobody changes their mind on the internet. And there is a high chance you are arguing with a robot, with a bot, with an artificial piece of software. 30% of Twitter is made of bots, which are softer. I'm a comedian, so I often face the question, does humor even help? And that's very tricky, as everything with humor. If it ridicules somebody, then it backfires. If I post a meme, which I do because I also have my moments of weakness, if I post a meme that's sarcastic or edgy, people will be triggered and they will react on the defensive. And nobody ever changes their mind this way. Humor essentially polarizes the conversation even more between my supporters and my enemies. And so this is very dangerous thing. Humor is also very easy to take out of context. Somebody can take a video of me, 30 seconds, saying something, and that, that video starts circulating. And it is also important because memes and jokes are the background noise of online cultures. So if I don't use it, I leave the field to cultures and groups who know how to use them. And uh, from physics, we know that the way, when there is a void, the void is filled. So when youth work and education leaves completely the online cultures, what happens is these places get infiltrated or monopolized by political groups and very often extremist groups. This is a topic for another webinar, Bobby, another time. I did a lot of research on uh, ex online extremism and youth groups. Every person becomes the story they tell. Even right now when I'm talking to you in the words I'm using and in the images I'm choosing and in the use of humor or not, I am affecting the field that's between us. It's the term from Gestalt theory. I'm changing myself and I'm changing you a little bit. And eventually I will be the story that I tell. So be confident this is what happens every day. There is a lot of research done on the psychologic profile of people who tend to believe fake news and conspiracy theories. Uh, this is hard to, to digest. But essentially, these groups tend to also engage very easily in paranoid ideas. The idea that there is an enemy outside and it's against me. People who suffer from fear and anxiety on a daily basis, they are more prone to adopt a belief based on fake news and, and conspiracy theories because they fear they don't have control over their life. This may explain why in times of coronavirus there was a spike because a lot of people felt powerless. People who embrace authoritarian ideas also tend to embrace strong, strong narratives that are propagated because they have a tendency to follow a strong leader, traditions, and mistrust minorities and governments. Narcissism is also a factor there. Low self-esteem combined with an exaggerated self-love or individualism. Cynicism and suspicion, distrust towards authority, disaffection for societal systems, looking for someone to blame. So here is another uh, heads up. Let's be careful when we spread ideas like, oh, all politicians are corrupt, all media is wrong, uh, all universities are bonkers. Because when we do this, we contribute to spread a general climate of mistrust, cynicism and suspicion. And in the end, no surprise, someone will come, sweep those ideas and win the day. And then mistrust of science. I have already spoken about this, a big deal. 
One person sent us an email if I can recommend a couple of sources that I consider reliable. Of course, there is no 100% objective uh, um, fail-proof system, but this is what I personally choose to trust. Snopes.com, Politifact.com, Factcheck.org. This is an Irish source that I found with Bobby B. Bindiasmart.ie. And this is funded by a task force of the European Union, EU versus disinfo.eu. And this targets in particular stories that are created and originated in Russia or in the Russian sphere. Whenever I post an article from this platform, I get attacks. This is very quickly polarizing. We are at the end of our time, so I really want to end with this. Education is also part of the problem. I've been giving speeches and presentations since I was in middle school. And we always finish with, guys, education is the key, education is the answer. And then everybody's happy in the room, and there is an applause, and we go home happy. I, I think it's high time to challenge that. Education has been part of the problem for 25, 30, 50 years. Critical thinking and philosophy should be part of curricula from the beginning and uh, explore how perception works, that I'm not right. I am completely biased as a human being, breathing organism. What is the nature of truth, logical fallacies and how they work, and critical story analysis? This is something really fun. This is something I do. I take a Hollywood movie and I unpack it, like La La Land or, or, or Fast and Furious, and I unpack and I uh, dig into it and I find the myth and the narrative mechanisms. Critical story analysis. Research has to be shared more and better. Uh, and for reasons that now we don't have the time to explore, academia spends too much time talking to itself and also running after funding. Love for science and curiosity should be put back into first place. And then when we design an unjust system, well, surprise, surprise, that will uh, hit us in our back. Punitive educational systems, high barriers. A lot of people are left out or drop out and they never came back on, on, on board. And curricula, they just leave people behind. They create frustration, the frustration becomes mistrust, and that becomes anger. And if you're in an educational youth work, I know you have this feeling. People don't trust school, and they don't trust science. The last concept I want to touch, and this is really the end uh, from my side, is not only we need to talk about literacy or media literacy, but also meta-literacy, which is even deeper than that. We need to become literate not only on what we read and what we learn, so that's the cognitive but also the metacognitive area should, should also get attention. What do I think about my own thinking? How does that affect my emotions? And how do emotions affect behavior? And then back to the cognitive. How, do, how does my behavior affect what I learn? These are advanced disciplines that we can learn in life when we go to psychotherapy training or, or personal development courses. But this usually happens late in life. And a lot of people don't get there and that's a problem in our society. Conclusions. We are the media. Don't blame the media when we are. We tell the story we want to see, support causes and creators, and let's be aware of our biases. Thank you. That's super, Carmine. 
Thank you for, for putting that together. So, so many kind of thoughts are coming to me. First of all, there's a really interesting book has been published uh, late last year by a guy called David Robert Grimes called The Irrational Ape. And, and the, the kind of subline is why flawed logic puts us all at risk and how critical thinking can save the world. Maybe a little bit extreme, but certainly The Irrational Ape is a book I would suggest to anyone involved in education because it looks at what Katarina touched on, especially in the last few slides, around the physiology of thinking, the, the kind of the wiring of our brains, the biases that we all have. And, and just and we, are, mentioned... we are now we are now probably in a time when our thinking can threaten our own survival as a species. For the first time. It was not a problem during ancient Roman times, but now it is. We have nuclear weapons and we have climate change. And so these understanding these is extremely important. And, and indeed, those two issues that you picked up on, Kadmina, would be the two biggest risks that Noam Chomsky would have identified facing the planet, both from, from a nuclear point of view and, and climate, of course, and the climate catastrophe that we're seeing. Kadmina, I want to, to thank you on behalf of Development Perspectives and CELTA. Um, I want to thank all of the participants for joining us today. We would urge you to stay involved or get in contact with the work of Development Perspectives through our newsletter, through online, or indeed in person when our office reopens. A last thank you to our funder, Irish Egg, for supporting CELTA and the likes of this webinar and many other activities that we're doing as part of CELTA. So on behalf of, of Development Perspectives, have a good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining us. CELTA presents... Hear the world differently.